host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. We're walking through our Navigating Modern Christianity series, and it's been really an interesting series for me to wrestle with these truths and just go to the Word of God and say, how do we as women in today's world respond to the issues in the modern church from a biblical perspective? In this episode, I want to talk about healing from legalism. Legalism is such a prevalent issue in certain sections of the church today, and a lot of people have been hurt by legalism or are in bondage to legalism. And back in July, when we did our Biblical Mindset series, we did an episode on legalism. I'd like to build upon some of those principles today and go a little deeper into the biblical response when we have personally been hurt by legalism. Before we jump in, I wanted to remind you that this is the last week to enter our 2024 Ellerslie Scholarship Giveaway. So we are giving away 10 full-ride scholarships to our week-long and our five-week summer and fall programs this year. And coming to Ellerslie for a season, even if you're only able to come to the week long, it is truly life-changing. You connect with like-minded believers from all around the world, you fall in love with the Word of God, and you go deeper with Jesus than you ever thought possible. If you click the link on this podcast description, you can watch student testimonies and learn more about the giveaway. We would love to see you in Colorado this year and invest into your spiritual life. So if you have been thinking or longing for a season of discipleship, this is a great opportunity. Let's talk about healing from legalism. Whether you have personally struggled with a bondage to rules, or maybe you've been impacted negatively by others who have been in bondage to legalism, this is an issue that so many Christians today can relate to. As I said in our episode when we were doing our Biblical Mindset series, there are really two camps in Christianity today. Those who often will kind of swing the opposite direction of legalism and sort of abuse the liberty that we have in Christ and feel that freedom to just kind of live any way they want to. And then there's another camp that can be very enslaved to legalism and kind of cultivate a rules-based Christianity. Many of us have become in bondage to legalism personally or have been really hurt by others who are. And sometimes you see emerging in Christianity today the response of those who have been hurt by legalism And oftentimes it's anything but Christ-like, and it's only brought division and disunity within the body of Christ. It can be a really confusing issue. How do you break free from legalism? Or maybe if you grew up in a home or a church that was very legalistic, how do you step away from that or be free from that without hurting others or bashing others in the process? Here's just a really quick review of what I shared in our Biblical Mindset series. I didn't grow up in a legalistic home or a church, but I definitely had seasons where I struggled with legalism. Even after I began to understand true set-apartness, I noticed it was really easy for me to let my choices and decisions come from an attitude of duty and obligation rather than joyful surrender. I so desired to be right with God that I sometimes bought into the lie that it was all up to me to keep my life on the straight and narrow path. I worked hard to wear God-honoring clothes and speak God-honoring words and conduct my behavior biblically. It was really easy to fall into the trap of doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons. And when this happened, I would lose my joy and I would feel weighed down by the idea of being set apart for Christ. And there was a verse that I came across in the book of Jude that really was life-changing for me. It says in Jude 124, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. 
And those words reminded me that Christ and Christ alone was the one who could keep me from stumbling. My job wasn't to make a list of set apart rules to obey and put my trust in. My job was simply to obey. If I learned how to abide in him, he would keep me from stumbling. First John 3, 6 builds upon this principle, whoever abides in him does not sin. As we abide in Christ, he guides us, he directs us, he purifies us from sin. He convicts us when conviction is needed. In other words, our lives can only truly become pure and pleasing to him as an outflow of our daily soul intimacy with him. And that brings incredible freedom. When it comes to righteous living, we're supposed to focus on abiding in him and let him do the rest by his grace. Freedom from legalism starts with that understanding. So if you have struggled with legalism or a bondage to rules, I encourage you to study what John 15 says and learn about that principle of abiding in Christ. Understand what it's all about because abiding in Christ, being in Christ is the single most important step in being free from the bondage of legalism. There are some great classic books on this topic as well, such as Abide in Christ by Andrew Murray and The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Those are great resources. One of the keys to avoiding legalism, as we talked about in our previous series, is not idolizing our own personal convictions. Jesus said in John 13, 35, that people will know we are his disciples by our love, not by our personal convictions and personal standards. Those things should only be an outflow of our relationship with him. They should not be what we look to for our identity or our righteousness. Maybe you grew up in a church or a home where rules were more important than a relationship with Christ. Maybe you felt oppressed by leaders who implied that your relationship with Christ was dependent on your adherence to specific rules or standards. If that was your story, there are a few things that I would encourage you to do. First, let God show you where your righteousness comes from in him and him alone. This goes back to studying what it means to abide in Christ. In John 15, Jesus gives a very simple and straightforward answer to the question of how to live out the impossible calling that he's given us. He says, abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. Now abide in this verse means to endure, to remain, to dwell, to continue, to stay in Jesus. The key truth is I in Christ and Christ in me is the secret to a Christian life that actually works. Abiding means refusing to disconnect from the vine, refusing to depart from your life source, Jesus Christ. Corey Ten Boom described this principle with the illustration of the, the glove and the hand. Maybe you've heard it before, and I'm sure I've shared it before in previous episodes. She said, I have here a glove in my hand. The glove cannot do anything of itself, but with my hand in it, it can do many things. True, it is not the glove, but my hand in the glove that acts. We are gloves. It is the Holy Spirit in us who is the hand who does the job. We have to make room for the hand so that every finger is filled. And I think that is such a beautiful example. The key truth to remember is that if we do not abide in Christ, triumphant Christianity is just as impossible to live as a glove cannot move without a hand or a branch cannot blossom if it's laying on the ground disconnected from the vine. So what leads to cynicism towards the vibrant, victorious Christian life that God has called us to? What leads to trying to rise up to those standards in our own strength and becoming in bondage to legalism? Well, in a nutshell, it's becoming disconnected from the vine. 
when we fail to abide in Christ and we still attempt to live out vibrant Christianity, we're either going to become legalistic and based in rules or apathetic and cynical. And that's because we're going through the motions of Christianity without the power to actually live it out. The solution to being free from both legalism and cynicism is learning to abide in Jesus Christ. And one thing that you will see if you study John 15 or any of the principles in scripture about abiding is that the abiding life is a restful life. When we realize that without him, we can do nothing, but that when we are in Christ and he is in us, our spiritual life can flourish without striving and effort because we are connected to the vine. There's a great quote that says, the branch of the vine does not worry and toil and rush here to seek sunshine and there to find rain. No, it rests in the union and communion with the vine. Let us so abide in the Lord Jesus. That's a quote from Hudson Taylor. It says in Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So first and foremost, in order to be free from legalism, practice that abiding life and let God work his reality within you of Christ in me the hope of glory. Secondly, it's so important to let God work his miracle of forgiveness within you. So going from a place of being in bondage to legalism, personally, you need to step into the abiding life that God has for you and be free from that. And then how do you deal with the fact that there are probably people in your life, in your past, that have placed those unhealthy burdens upon your shoulders of legalism? that's when we need to let God work his forgiveness within us. And this is a perfect example of God working in us to will and to act according to his good purpose, because without him, we would be completely unable to forgive as he asked us to forgive. But with him, we have the supernatural ability to forgive and to let him cleanse our thoughts and our memories so that we're not constantly dredging up the wrongs that have been done to us over and over and over again. Corey Ten Boom talked about going through a process of forgiving Christian friends who had hurt her and said, I can trust God not only to supply the feeling that I need to forgive, but also to cleanse my thoughts. And she talked about how she struggled to be free from an offense even after she had forgiven the person because the thoughts kept coming back to her, the memories of what they did and how unkind they were to her. And finally, she surrendered those thoughts to God and asked him to cleanse those from her mind and he set her free from them. And she got to the point where she was not reliving those sins of others over and over again in her mind. And Amy Carmichael, this is a quote that I've I've stated before, but it is so beautiful. She says, when I say to myself, I can forgive, but I cannot forget, I'm not realizing that the same God who washes all the sand from all the shores over all the world twice a day, of course, he can wash such memories from my mind. And so asking God to set you free from the thoughts and the memories of this oppressive system that maybe you grew up in is very critical. And don't try to forgive or be set free from that in your own ability but in his ability, the ability that he gives to you as you abide in him. I want to encourage you if you have been hurt by others who have been in bondage to legalism, not to let the enemy get more mileage out of your past than he should by constantly dredging up the sins of others and maybe broadcasting them to the world. Remember that when God forgives us, he removes our sin as far away from us as the East is from the West, and he asks us to do the same for those who have wronged us. 
Proverbs says that love covers over a multitude of sins. And one of the trends that I see happening today with people who have come out of a system of legalism is that oftentimes they will become victims. They will wallow in it. They want to share it with the world in a very critical, bashing kind of way, in a way that is not edifying. It does not showcase the victory and the power of God to enable them to forgive and step into the life of triumph and freedom that he has for them. A legalistic background may seem like a really good reason to bash people and throw them under the bus. Maybe it's online or through blogs or even just person-to-person sharing. I think back to Amy Carmichael's rule of thumb when evaluating what to say and what to share, and it's a great test of what to speak or post about your past experiences with legalism. Is it kind? Is it true? And is it necessary? And those three questions, is it kind, is it true, and is it necessary, can eliminate so much that we shouldn't be sharing, that gets out there because we don't stop and ask those questions. Choosing to let God personally set you free and learning how to walk in love and forgiveness towards those who may have hurt you through legalism is going to make a much more powerful statement than launching a personal vendetta and publicly bashing them. And usually this is only going to cause them to become more defensive, and it doesn't really give them a way to be set free or to clearly see from a heavenly perspective. So whenever you speak about your past experience with legalism, I would encourage you to focus on the victory of God, how he has set you free, how he has taught you about the abiding life, how he has given you the joy of his salvation, rather than just highlighting human weakness and giving the enemy a stage, because really legalism is the enemy's stage. It's finding hope and fulfillment in something outside of Christ. Leonard Ravenhill, who's one of my favorite writers and Christian evangelists in history, he shares a testimony about his dad. He said that his dad had been in a certain system of religion that really promoted rules. And then he said, my dad got marvelously born again. And Leonard Ravenhill was talking about his dad's conversion when he was like 84 years old. And all these years later, what he remembered about his father's life from that point forward, when he was set free from that system of legalism, was his father's joy. I love that because it was actually his father's joy that led him to Christ. It wasn't just that his father went around talking about how terrible this legalistic system was and how bad it was. He had true joy because he had been set free from that, and that's what impacted others' lives. That's what people should see about you, not just the fact that maybe you had an oppressive past. As we talked about in the last episode, we're called to edify and build each other up. And focusing on the faults of others is not edifying to anyone. Now, of course, if you've been the victim of abuse, which can definitely happen in legalistic churches or homes, it's not something to be silent about, but typically a public platform is not going to be the best place to speak up about that kind of thing. It's going to trusted godly people in authority who can help you and can help protect others from going through the same experience. I would encourage you to let God lead you in what it means to speak up and speak out about things that you've walked through, but be sure that your motive is not revenge or spite or just bashing people. Another encouragement I would give you is to be guarded in backing into your belief system. So we've talked about understanding the abiding life, walking in the forgiveness of God, 
And now I'd like to talk to you about not backing into your belief system because swinging in the opposite direction when we've seen the abuse of a truth in the word of God is very typical of us as Christians because we're so disgusted by maybe legalism in the church that we kind of want to throw all standards of godly living out the window and start believing that any kind of pursuit of righteousness or holiness or set-apartness means legalism. And the two are very, very different in scripture because true set-apartness and righteousness is an outflow of a love relationship with Jesus Christ. Legalism is putting our faith and trust in a set of self-made rules. There was a young Christian man that I knew who had seen really damaging effects of legalism firsthand, and he started to assume that living in purity and holiness would automatically mean bondage to self-imposed rules and spiritual pride. He felt it was up to him to show the world what freedom in Christ really meant, so he took it upon himself to do that. He backed into his belief system. He adopted a spiritually sloppy lifestyle, and it led to a miserable and defeated Christian life and a lot of things that he regretted later. A lot of us as modern Christians have adopted this mindset, believing that the best way to prove our freedom in Christ and guard against legalism is to reject all standards of purity and holiness and righteous living and embrace a more worldly and compromised existence instead, and that's backing into your belief system. If you find yourself shying away from words like holiness or purity or righteousness, I mean, the word purity itself has been thrown under the bus in Christian circles over the past five or 10 years in a pretty extreme way, specifically from people who grew up in legalistic backgrounds. But purity, according to the biblical definition, was God's idea. It didn't come from these legalistic circles. We need to understand God's intention for purity, God's intention for holiness and righteousness, and embrace those things rather than rejecting them. And when we frequently let sin and worldliness into our lives under the banner of Christian legalism or not wanting to be legalistic, it's really likely that we are abusing our freedom in Christ. We need to understand what freedom in Christ really means. Christ did not set us free to live a life of sin and self-indulgence and worldliness. He set us free from the controlling power of our sinful flesh so that we are now free to serve righteousness instead of sin. And you can read about that in Romans 6, 10 through 14. Paul clearly answers the liberty in Christ question in Galatians 5.13 when he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. And in Galatians 5.24, he says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The evidence that we have truly given our lives to Christ is that we are no longer controlled by fleshly desires and indulgences. As Christians, we're now free from sin's control and empowered by his grace to live a life that is pleasing and honoring to him. Galatians 5, 19 through 23 distinguishes the difference between the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the flesh is all the worldly things, idolatry, drunkenness, jealousy, factions, carousing, etc. And the fruit of the spirit is an evidence that we have been set free from the power of sin. Be aware of attempting to avoid legalism by swinging to the opposite extreme and embracing a sinful, self-indulgent lifestyle. Paul says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, I would encourage you to use your freedom in Christ to embrace the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control that he created you to walk in. As you yield your life to his spirit, he will enable you by his grace to live a life of radiant purity and set apartness that you could never live on your own. Instead of making it your focus to avoid legalism or prove legalistic Christians wrong, ask God to cultivate his love within you. 
as Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest and most world-changing of any virtue that we could ever possess is love. The greatest of these is love. So in summary, learn what it means to abide in Christ. Ask him to make you a catalyst of his love to the world because when you are abiding in him and walking in his love, legalism has no power. Legalism will no longer be in control. His spirit will be in control. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to live a set-apart life, I encourage you to visit us at setapart.org. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.